chapter two of the widow married a sequel to the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two pride and pleasure portrait of a mother domestic anecdotes affectionate reminiscences confidence promised at length the happy hour arrived and mrs major allen became a mother only those who have waited as long as this lady had done for the honoured blessing can be capable of appreciating her feelings on the occasion it is not nevertheless recorded of her by those who knew her best that any very remarkable development of the organ of philoprogenitiveness was perceptible in her formation the triumphant gladness of her heart arose from a complex variety of intellectual impressions with which this sort of mere animal organization had in truth very little to do it was the consciousness that while almost all other married ladies had children she had none which had galled her it was the idea that her well-secured money would have to go to somebody who did not belong to her that rankled at her heart and it was a vague suspicion that her gay husband occasionally alluded to her childless condition and quizzed her ignorance of all nursery concerns in his conversation with other and perhaps younger ladies which irritated her spirit it was therefore the cure for all these gnawing griefs that she blessed and hailed with rapture when a bouncing stout screaming little girl was put into her arms most ladies love a little fuss upon such occasions and it is not very wonderful if mrs major allen coveted a good deal though feeling as little like an invalid as any lady ever did under such circumstances she would not abate an hour of the regular stipulated month's confinement which she had heard repeatedly spoken of as the proper period of retreat for ladies of delicate health not indeed that she desired to live alone till the baby moon's evolution was complete on the contrary not only her friend and constant preceptress mrs sheepshanks but all the other genteel ladies of sydney were given to understand that they might come to look at mrs major allen and her beautiful baby every morning if they liked it and as very sufficient caudle and vast quantities of plum cake were daily distributed they all did like it very much and came accordingly any lady of any land might indeed have found much in mrs allen's sydney dressing-room at this time to repay the trouble of a visit provided that is to say it was within tolerably easy reach of them it might not perhaps have been worth while to sail round half the world in order to enter it yet there was a vast deal there both to see and to admire reading people already know that mrs major allen was remarkable for her taste in dress and that wherever display was called for her peculiar genius appeared to the greatest advantage the retirement of a sick chamber might by many be considered as likely to check at least for a time this propensity for striking decoration but such was not the case with mrs allen and though in a different style her toilette was as distinguished during her first month of maternity as at any period of her existence from the hour she quitted her bed which feeling herself exceedingly strong and well she insisted upon doing with as little loss of time as possible her costume was perfect this part of the business had been long meditated upon and the preparation for it having commenced at a very early stage of her hopes was persevered in with unwearied industry to the end her long-loved satin stitch was upon this occasion as heretofore of the most essential use to her indeed without it she never could have reached that perfection of attire for herself her room and her child which became the admiration of sydney and all its neighbouring villas where a great effect is produced by very delicate touches it is not altogether easy either to follow the process or do justice to the result 
but what is both original and beautiful should never be passed over in silence from the doubting timidity of those whose duty it is to describe it the curtains of mrs major allen's apartment were upon this occasion of full rose-coloured calico covered with a species of muslin so open in its texture as to be exported for mosquito-nets upon the draperies of these she had some weeks before her confinement affixed some white scallops of her own invention each one having a little tassel of rose-coloured calico cut into slips attached to it her sofa removed from the parlour for the occasion was clothed in the same style and elicited an exclamation of wonder and delight from every one who approached it three small cushions carelessly balanced on the back and arms of this extensive couch were also of the same gay and happy hue and not a corner of them but showed in patterns of labyrinthine grace and intricacy the powers of a skilful needle mrs major allen herself was habited in a robe of white which though not of a particularly fine texture was really exquisitely elegant as all the sydney ladies agreed from the profusion of elaborate satin stitch bestowed upon its cuffs and collar i always said so observed mrs major allen to her nurse the first time she put on one of the two beautiful robes thus prepared i always said that there was nothing in the whole world like satin stitch for giving an elegant finish and i will tell you what nurse you may depend upon it that amongst all the things that a woman does there is nothing positively nothing that answers so well as satin stitch it is no use to talk of the cap of mrs major allen upon this occasion for she not only wore a succession of caps all more or less indebted to the same favourite decoration for their superiority to all other caps but moreover with a refinement of taste and ingenuity of arrangement only to be equalled perhaps by the manner in which progressive sunshine is made to steal upon the pictures of the diorama almost every day was made to chronicle her approach to convalescence by some delicate strengthening if i may so say of her beauty the rouge which long habit had made so habitually a part of her daily puttings-on that within twenty-four hours of miss allen's birth the maternal cheek had received a little red was nevertheless used with such forbearing moderation that the lady looked as she ought to do considerably paler than usual and it was only by increasing day by day the skilfully modulated bloom that at the happy termination of her month mrs major allen appeared as glowing a representation of youth beauty and health as before the copious quantity of ringlets too which excepting that they happened to be of a somewhat softer texture differed little from those which had fanned the dusty air of the silverton ballroom when she danced with captain tate appeared in like manner by degrees and to use voltaire's charming words returned to enchant the world pas à pas comme un jour deux dans les yeux délicats when first she sat up in bed one shining black corkscrew peeping forth from each side beneath the embroidered nightcap was all that she deemed congruous to her condition on the morrow a second came and then a third till at length the whole pendant mass black as night yet lustrous in its rich and oily glossiness once more spread its lurid glories on each side her radiant face as to the dress and general appearance of the baby it varied according to the hours of the day its admirable mother who piqued herself on being an excellent manager was a great economist in all that appertained to the laundry department and before it was many hours old she discovered that care must be taken as to its dear little expenses in that line as well as in papa's and her own so the darling poppet was not always prepared for company but when it was the fullness of the mother's heart might easily be read in the elaborate decoration of its attire in a word new south wales had never before seen such a mother and child 
and nothing could exceed the admiration they inspired or the high consideration in which the allen family one and all were held meanwhile the major kept his word and did take care that all the little parties in which he was engaged either at home or abroad should answer nevertheless his parental prudence kept pace with his success and his lady's tightly settled and regularly remitted income continued to supply all their expenses so that the major's steady winnings went on accumulating in a manner that spoke strongly of the fundamental improvement which had taken place in his character and morals since the period when the reader and mrs barnaby were first introduced to him at clifton these winnings indeed particularly if stated night after night or day by day would to european ears appear mere bagatelles hardly worth recording in a professional gamester's account but to an inhabitant of sydney the yearly aggregate if roundly named which however never happened to occur would have been considered as enormous in this case as in every other unremitting perseverance does wonders nulla dies sine linea is a receipt to fill volumes and on the same principles a purse of no small dimensions may be filled by one who playing with assured success never suffers any hour in the day and night to be passed in idleness when it is possible to put a pack of cards in action such was the system of major allen and though on a small scale sydney was no bad field of action for him assuredly there was no crockford's where within the space of half a night a man without quitting his chair may be sure of finding an opportunity if he seek it of beggaring himself for his neighbour but there were little quiet corners where by day or night small hazards might be played for among the idlers of which the more industrious part of the population knew little or nothing and a taste for that tempting seesaw the gaming-table generated perhaps in the brilliant salons of paris or the club-houses of london may find wherewithal to keep itself alive even in the deep retreats of new south wales major allen was therefore by no means an idle man neither could he fairly be called an intemperate one the glass of rum and milk that greeted the morn and the tumbler or two of whisky toddy that hailed the genial hours of night cannot be justly quoted in contradiction to this for nobody ever saw major allen drunk moreover his habits in all things appertaining to expenditure were exceedingly careful though he by no means denied himself the constant comfort of a good dinner or the occasional gratification of a little display so that he and his lady were decidedly classed among the very first people in sydney in temper and general domestic demeanour as favourable a report may be made of him as most gentlemen under similar circumstances would be likely to deserve so on the whole it is to be hoped that the character of this individual who from his near connection with my heroine must make an important figure in the drama of her future life may be considered in all respects as improved rather than the contrary since the reader parted from him but notwithstanding all these excellent domestic qualities major allen was not what could be called a confidential husband indeed there were some circumstances connected with his first appearance in the colony which his wife was never fully able to understand it was evident that he had some powerful friends among the persons in authority and the deference and very strict observance he paid them proved him to be of a most grateful temper but he never entered with his charming lady into any explanation of the origin of this close connection between them neither did he appear to deem it necessary that she should be troubled with any statement respecting the little sums he was accumulating nay his notions of a well-regulated family economy might have led him to prefer taking his lady's income under his own immediate and separate control 
but here after a somewhat spirited trial on occasion of the two first quarterly payments he gave in mrs allen not being a woman to give way easily where she felt herself to be right so thenceforward he contented himself with knowing that all household expenses of every kind whatever including of course his own dress and little personal appointments were defrayed regularly and in the most creditable manner that is to say without credit by this fund now and then indeed thinking the little occasional assistance which her quick faculties enabled her to afford whenever his favourite amusement went on in her presence gave her some right to inquire she ventured to question him respecting his winnings but the following short specimen of such dialogues will show that he well knew how to answer them for heaven's sake major what do you do with all your winnings she said to him one day when she would greatly have liked to have got hold of a portion of them to assist in the purchase of a little finery i see you pocket lots of cash night after night and when am i to be the better for it don't put yourself in a flurry my love i often lose money of course though god knows and you know too my love that i always take every possible precaution to avoid it but nevertheless it will happen you have not got the face to tell me that you do not make money by playing said mrs major allen with some appearance of excitement no my love i know my duty both to myself and you too well to continue playing if such were the case but it is an amusement that i like and i take the most scrupulous care that it shall never become an annoyance to you my dear angel which you know it must do did i not care when i win to lay by the amount to be in readiness for the time when i may lose mrs major allen snuffed the air with a slight appearance of agitation but only said i hope you do lay it by major allen this occurred some months before the birth of the little martha and it was then she was exactly three months old that a snug small evening party at home attended with a run of very obvious good fortune led to a renewal of the subject a pretty sum you must have pouched last night major said his lady as she poured out his tea on the following morning while their infant heiress lay sweetly slumbering in a cradle at her side yes my love pretty well then i do trust our poor child will be the better for it said mrs major allen putting down the teapot and placing her right hand on the top of the cradle while with the other she fondly dallied with the little coverlid as if it wanted more tucking in than she had given it a dozen times over already i do hope major allen that for the first time in your life you will do something to assist in the maintenance of your family my family replied the major chirruping very affectionately towards the cradle have not been very long in want of maintenance why we have been married replied mrs allen above a year sir and except just furnishing the place and giving me that trumpery necklace which is no more to be compared to my shells than light to darkness you have never spent to my knowledge a single farthing of your own from that hour to this if it had not been for my own fortune your family would have been pretty much in want of a maintenance my dearest creature can you imagine that a man of my knowledge of the world and general savoir vivre would ever have been guilty of that most unpardonable of all human actions the marrying a woman without fortune no my beautiful mrs major allen i adore you far too vehemently ever to have been guilty of such treacherous unmanly baseness as to have seduced you into marriage with with in short my love with myself had i known that though not so rich as i once thought you there was no danger of your actually starving in consequence of your affection for me and you probably thought there might be no danger of your own starving either dear major 
replied the lady laughing a sort of experimental laugh as not quite certain how the hit might be taken however her excellent husband was in extremely good humour and only laughed a little in return buttering his toast the while as pleasantly as possible this of course acted as an encouragement upon the lady as she again hinted that she should like a little money upon my word i shall be delighted to oblige you my dearest mrs allen he replied with every appearance of gravity but the birth of this darling babe furnishes the very strongest motive a man is capable of feeling for prudence and economy i cannot give you money my dear love it is the greatest possible grief for me to be obliged to say so but i should never forgive myself never nor ever i truly believe should i sleep in peace again did i for a moment yield to any temptation that might affect the future fortune of our dear little daughter here again the major chirruped at the cradle and mrs allen heaving a deep sigh only muttered in reply then it is quite impossible i should buy any feathers for her bonnet the tone of this very happy new south welsh couple to each other was in more respects than one rather singular there was occasionally a vast deal of fondness displayed on both sides yet a sharp observer might sometimes have fancied that there was some latent feeling of suspicion and reserve at their hearts if this however was really the case they conducted themselves on the whole with great discretion and might not unaptly have been quoted as a proof that all feelings with proper schooling may ever be made subservient to will this indeed must always be the case where motive is strong and motive was strong enough both in the major and his lady to produce a line of conduct in each running so parallel to each other that there was little or no danger of their ever producing a concussion by crossing thus major allen never even in his most playful moments nor when the whisky toddy had been the most seductive hazarded the slightest allusion either to his friend maintry or to his excellent servant william or to the cause or manner of his voyage out or to the beautiful isabella d'almafonte or even to the duke of wellington while on the other hand mrs major allen appeared totally to have forgotten silverton park and her beautiful set of greys never gave the slightest indication of remembering such a place as clifton such as an abigail as betty jacks such wretches as the tradesmen of cheltenham or such an extraordinary dull place as the fleet prison there can be no doubt in the world that this was the best plan they could follow for without it there would have been so remarkable a discrepancy between their confidential reminiscences and the dignified strain of their ordinary bearing as must have made their lives appear even to each other like one long drawn-out conspiracy whereas under the existing system everything went on smoothly that it might almost be doubted whether they had not really and truly undergone some lithian process which had cleared off effectually and for ever all the heavier shadows that hung upon the background of their past existence in a word bygones are bygones would have been the most expressive and appropriate motto that they could possibly have adopted mrs major allen was certainly in many respects a very clever woman having acutely enough found out what the major's tactics were and were likely to be respecting the past she not only adopted the same with very excellent feminine tact but taking the fullest advantage of the general amnesty thus granted by memory to all former faults and follies she gazed at her black-eyed little daughter with renewed hope and renewed ambition and felt as fresh in spirit and as ready to set off again in pursuit of new plots and new projects as if she had never met with a disappointment in her life but if she wisely cast a veil over what it was disagreeable to remember 
the same wisdom led her as much as it was possible to do so to keep for ever before her husband's eyes her own and those of everybody who approached her the recollection of all that was creditable in which she could claim a share those who know the character of the man can feel no doubt that here too the happy sympathy of disposition existing between the married pair would have manifested itself if the thing had been possible but herein it would seem that the lady had the advantage of the gentleman for while she discoursed pretty considerably at large concerning her aunt compton of compton bassett her dearly beloved niece mrs general hubert and above all of her great friend and great connection lady elizabeth norris the major though now and then in general sydney society echoing the affectionate family allusions of his wife was never heard to obtrude the mention of his own relations upon anybody it was impossible for a woman so acute as mrs major allen not to perceive that these frequent references to the old country increased their consideration in the new one and this indeed so evidently that at length it struck her as being well worth while to make an effort towards renewing some intercourse with those the far-off sound of whose names was so advantageous one afternoon that the major who not unfrequently passed his soirees from home had declared his intention of remaining during the entire evening in his own mansion where he hoped a friend would call and perhaps play a quiet game or two at piquet with him he happened to say after giving his lady instructions about making the toddy and one or two other little particulars i like to think dearest that whatever i do win will be sure sooner or later to help out the fortune of our darling baby nothing was so sure to put mrs major allen in good humour as an observation of this kind from her husband for the charming buoyancy of her spirits was such that she already though her young daughter was little more than a twelve-month old had determined in her own mind that the third martha should do better in life than either of her beautiful predecessors had done with a degree of contentment to which no words can do justice she perceived in the features hair and complexion of her child that she had not gazed upon her own image in vain and blessing the prescient tenderness which had dictated her doing so she prophesied as she contemplated the black eyes and dark hair of the darling that in her the race of compton should rise higher than all aunt betsy's economy had ever yet contrived to place it mindful however of the many proofs which had met her in the course of her career that money was an important auxiliary in all affairs of love she became perhaps almost immoderately anxious as to everything that concerned the little martha's pecuniary interests it is possible that the major was in some degree aware of this for it is certain that whenever particularly desirous of ensuring the concurrence or aid of his lady in any of his little schemes he now invariably hinted that it was probable their result if well managed would be favourable to the future prospects of their daughter on the occasion above alluded to his reference to this produced the happiest effect mrs allen smiled with the greatest sweetness and even playfully pinched his cheek as she replied never fear me dear hoard away major and when you have got enough to take us back why back we will go won't we the major returned the pinch nodded his head but said nothing i suppose you are afraid to promise major for fear i should plague you about it eh don't be afraid i shall know how to mind my hits and shall not be over stupid i dare say in giving a guess about the when and the how too though i may not happen positively to know anything about it however if you will take my advice you will turn your thoughts that way let it be as long as it will before you can turn yourself unless indeed there is any particular reason why you should stay here for life for life oh no my love decidedly not for life replied the major rather eagerly but i don't quite understand dear what you mean by turning my thoughts that way 
he continued with a musing air and then after a moment's pause added to say the truth my dear mrs allen my thoughts seldom turn for long together in any other direction the doings here my dear let a man be as persevering as he will are pitiful in the extreme and it is impossible to think of what's going on every night on the other side of the water without being devilishly provoked i promise you particularly when a man feels that he improves every day he lives mrs major allen listened to this with the greatest satisfaction it was the first time she had ever heard her husband distinctly declare an intention of returning to england and though at the very bottom of her heart she had determined to do so herself one day or other even if she found herself obliged to leave him behind the discovering that his wishes accorded with her own was highly gratifying and she immediately determined upon opening her mind to him concerning a scheme that had for some time past occupied her head my darling major she exclaimed how delighted i am to hear you talk so remember the saying where there's a will there's a way and do you only give me your promise that when you can go you will and i will give mine to push on in every way possible to the same delightful end i will spend just next to nothing dearest in any way i will buy no feathers either for baby or myself and almost no flowers neither i'll promise not to think of any more satin dresses if it is for almost a dozen years to come and i will trust for making a decent appearance altogether to turning trimming and satin stitch in short my dearest major there is nothing in the whole world that i would not do to get back i am glad to hear all this my love very glad there is nothing like having a few rouleaux beforehand my dear depend upon it stick to the saving plan about clothes and all your own little expenses and it is quite impossible to say what may be the fruits of it one of these days oh but you don't know major what else i have got in my head replied his wife with a gay glance that reminded him of clifton when we do go back it shall not be my fault if we do not find somebody worth introducing our child to who will that be my dear said he with a glance almost as gay as her own to my lord mucklebury for with a degree of generous confidence which really did honour to her heart mrs major allen had confessed to her husband how very near marriage she had been with that nobleman and how completely it was owing to a mere accidental misunderstanding between them that the match had been broken off it is by no means impossible that i may do that good service both to you and to her my love answered the lady for i have every reason to flatter myself that what was love very fervent love certainly has now mellowed into friendship and i have little doubt that by the time we return he may be able to see me and even my child without pain though he may perhaps have a guiltless sigh that he is not the father of it but it was not of him major allen i do assure you that it was not of him i was thinking of whom then mrs allen of those clifton people pray do not let us talk about them for in the first instance i hate them all particularly and in the next they are not in a station of life that can do me or any man of fashion service mrs allen was not at all displeased at hearing her husband thus class himself but her change of colour would have been visible had she not worn rouge when he named clifton the emotion passed however and she resumed without any trace of embarrassment no 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 major allen i am not so humble-minded as you imagine it is not my brother and sister peters nor any of my nephews and nieces in that very commercial district that i am thinking about but of persons in a very different station i assure you be patient for a moment and i will explain myself 
the major was at that moment smoking a cigar and continued the operation with as much composure as she could have desired while she rose from her chair and opened the drawer of a work-table at the further extremity of the apartment from this drawer she took what might be recognized at the first glance as an english newspaper and which though of no very recent date was the last thing that had been received in the colony i have promised never to be extravagant again my dear said the lady advancing up the room and searching the precious columns as she walked for the article she wished to show him and therefore you must not scold me for having bought this newspaper i really could not resist it when i found this paragraph concerning the very nearest relations i have in the world let me read it to you shall i the major smoked on but graciously nodded his head it is the account of a drawing-room held at st james palace major allen i was always fond of reading those sort of articles even in england for nothing keeps up our acquaintance with the fashionable world so well besides the inside it gives one into dress and here of course it is ten thousand times more valuable still to prevent one's forgetting the very names of one's relations and all other persons of rank here mrs major allen began reading a very long list of persons present at the drawing-room and at length came to the names of general and mrs hubert as being among them i suppose you know who she is major allen if you do not remember him not i said the major what my dear don't you remember my darling niece agnes the girl that i devoted myself to so completely before she married what the little willoughby who was so skittish that she would never let one speak to her oh dear yes i remember her perfectly well major it is she who is now mrs general hubert and who has been as you perceive presented at court oh she married the stiff-backed colonel did she i forgot all about it my dear and is it to the general's lady that you are going to introduce me there was a comic sort of leer in the eye of the major as he said this which his wife did not altogether understand but after looking at him for a moment she replied to be sure it is my dear my darling agnes mrs general hubert as of course i must now call her will be beyond all question the most fitting and proper person to introduce our daughter into society nor is there the slightest reason why she should not be presented at court when she is old enough and it is just because she is not old enough yet that i am content to wait so patiently till it may suit you my dear major to accompany us back to europe but though there might be no particular use in our going as yet it will as i have lately thought be extremely proper for me to write to my niece and i certainly shall do so immediately depend upon it my dear i shall make no sort of objection replied the amiable major but you don't think it just possible that she may not answer you no major allen i do not i know better than any one else can except herself dear child how devoted was the attachment i showed her and it is not in nature to believe that whenever i choose to recall myself to her remembrance she should be otherwise than delighted at hearing from me i will not deny that some trifling circumstances occurred previous to her marriage and to mine which displeased me however everything was made up most affectionately before i left england and a very touching scene it was i assure you with poor dear willoughby her father who suddenly returned from some place like this i don't know where abroad and brought another daughter with him a charming creature she is not quite so lovely and elegant-looking as my niece but very pretty and married to an extremely rich young son of a baronet 
so you see major the connection throughout is most extremely desirable for our martha and when the time comes for our return will unquestionably be one of the greatest importance to her so right i shall most decidedly the indifference with which the major at first appeared to listen to her relaxed by degrees as she went on and when at length she paused he said without any sneer at all very well my dear you are perfectly a woman of the world which is exactly what i would wish you to be and nothing could be more desirable than that our little girl should in due time be introduced to such very near relations but i believe i have hinted to you before that there are two or three reasons which should render my immediate return to england inconvenient i have hitherto never entered upon any explanation of them because in fact they possessed little interest in themselves and were of no consequence whatever to us in our present situation but if it should prove that there really is any chance of our getting among the set you mention when we get back it may be as well to make you understand the affair sufficiently to prevent any awkward blunders on your part which might be inconvenient not that the thing in point of fact is of any great consequence but nevertheless as it involves some trifling etiquette that some sort of people think a great deal about it may be as well to put you au fait of the business and i shall have great pleasure i am sure in giving you this proof of my confidence but here comes our friend belmaine remember love all our established hints and tokens and remember also that whatever i do chance to win will be added to the fund which i trust we shall be able to lay up for our dear girl's benefit there he is obliged to knock again why does not that stupid girl open the door we will finish our talk to-morrow dear only remember that you are not to write to england till i have explained myself the worthy mr belmaine here made his appearance and was received in the most friendly manner both by the major and his lady he was not an old acquaintance but appeared to be a very valued one for nothing was omitted that could make their substantial tea-drinking agreeable and the little martha who with almost precocious strength of limb already waddled fearlessly over the floor was induced to add her note of welcome by a wonderfully articulated ta-ta soon after the meal was concluded mrs major allen retired for a few moments to superintend the coucher of her beautiful child and ere she returned the two gentlemen had very rationally sought and found consolation for her absence in a pack of cards whenever major allen indulged himself in the presence of his wife with a game at piquet whist or écarté the only amusements of the kind he ever ventured upon his lady had the appearance of being in what is vulgarly called a fidget for she walked about the room looked at the different hands and in short seemed in search of amusement for herself which she could not find on such occasions it was usual for the major to say pray my dear love do sit down you have no idea how you worry me by moving about so and she replied well then my dear i will take my work and amuse myself now and then by looking at your hand and then she did take her work and sat down behind him very close indeed sometimes twitching his hair in a lively manner and sometimes playfully running her needle into his shoulder always permitting her animated eyes to invite his partner to take part in the jest after enduring this for about five minutes it was usual for the major to lose his patience and to exclaim upon my word my love i cannot play if you go on so you are as frolicsome as a kitten dearest and i give you my honour i can't bear to check you but upon my soul i am such a nervous player that i don't know what i'm about for two minutes together while you are playing your monkey tricks could you not take your work a little further away love 
mrs major allen could never stand this reproof but constantly replied rather in a plaintive tone and pretty dull sort of work i shall find it i dare say mr this or mr that whoever the major's partner might be will not be so cross as you are dear so i will go and sit by him and she did go and sit by him or rather behind him but so quietly that it was next to impossible that he should be churlish enough to make any objection to her remaining there this little domestic scene was repeated on the present occasion with just sufficient variation as to the phrase and frolic as might suffice to prevent its appearing stupidly repetitive but when it had been gone through and mrs major allen had established herself exactly in the place she wished to occupy her attention involuntarily wandered from the game she overlooked at the present moment to the greater one in which she flattered herself she should be engaged at a future time the mysterious words of her husband too haunted her rather painfully the spelling and putting together which her active intellect rendered inevitable produced a result which if not quite new to her imagination appeared at this moment more than usually important and in short it was with the greatest difficulty that she conducted herself throughout the very long evening according to her husband's wishes she really exerted herself however to do the best she could and when at length the beefsteak sweet potatoes and whisky toddy were called for she performed all the duties of a careful hostess perfectly so that at last at about two o'clock in the morning the snug little party broke up under circumstances perfectly satisfactory to the major who gave his weary wife the reward she well merited by saying as he drew up the strings of his inflated purse thank you my dear everything was very nice and very well managed now let us get to bed and to-morrow morning we will have a talk about the best way for you to write home to your relations it would be a fine thing for our little missy to be sure and i think it may be done if we manage well people talk of good fortune and bad fortune but depend upon it my dear barnaby it was thus he ever addressed her when in particularly high spirits depend upon it that it is human skill which regulates human affairs and that when some great misfortune befalls us it is because we have committed some great blunder while on the contrary if some striking blessing as it is called rewards our endeavours it proves beyond the possibility of any reasonable doubt that we have known how to set about what we had to do and perform the task skilfully and well there don't let us talk any more to-night because that last glass of toddy has made me very sleepy good-night dear good-night chapter two